0: I definitely learned a lot of stuff from Coach Norvell and a lot of scouts asked me, like, if you could bring a coach with you, who would it be? I would easily coach Norvell just because I respect all of the coaches on staff, but he's the head coach for a reason. He's special. It's crazy to see. Even when we were 0-4 in 2021, he was the same guy. He showed up every day, passionate, ready to work. He wasn't as happy, but he was showed up every day, passionate, ready to work, ready to coach, ready to pour into the program. So – as a player, you can't do anything but respect that. Hey, guys, this is Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. Go live. Go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear. Presented by No Game Day, No
1: Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. It's great, Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, bro? man? I, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is
2: former Seminole Derrick Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, Presented to you by No
1: Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on FSOD for the state die and go no William Barnum Floyd gentlemen what's
3: up what's happening guys this is Logan Robinson from Here the spear presented to you by noelgameby.com we are here live on a beautiful Wednesday evening just a couple hours away now from Florida State ending off their tour duty camp under coach Storms and Mike Norvell but with us before we go into our defensive preview we've got Former FSU starting tight end Cam McDonald, my guy. It's been a while, been working on this for a long time, long time. But uh, Cam McDonald joins us on here, The Spirit this evening. What's up, Cam?
0: What's going on, guys? It's an honor to be on here. We have been talking about this for a while. So it's finally, it's, it's good to be able to finally see it to fruition and get on the show and just talk some FSU football, NFL. Just, you know.
3: It has been. What, what have you been up to? Because I know. You you were talking to us in the production meeting. A lot of training going on. You're also going to bed crazy early. What's up? Going to bed. What are we going to bed at? Like eight o'clock, nine o'clock. What's the <laughs> limit? You're I telling me this bed. early.
0: Yeah. I try <laughs> to be in the bed by at least nine thirty just because we have early mornings and it's so important to sleep during this process because you got to break your body down every day and then go to sleep so you can recover and grow and see the results that you want to see. So I got a strict bedtime right now, but squeezing some time for here to spare. <laughs>
3: I appreciate it. So you were you were doing a lot of comp- competitive uh, games, also doing some comp- competitions with a lot of the defensive backs, linebackers throughout the last month, month or so, definitely right after Florida State playing Oklahoma. How has that been? I know we talked about also in the production meeting, you getting a lot of good eyes on you right now. And I think that's phenomenal. You know, just knowing you from behind the scenes and everything, just. The person that you are i knew that would be the case but whenever you put on the field and showing them and showing scouts that helps even more you know that but how's it been and some of the competitive battles you've gone and what have you learned
0: well i just want to start by thanking the tropical bowl and the nfl pa bowl for giving me an opportunity to display my ability because in the florida state offense i had a specific role and i kind of grew into that role and i played it at a high level but there was more things that i could do and i was able to show that at those games i was able to show that i could be a 4 core special teamer and win my matchups consistently against whether it be safeties, linebackers. I was able to put on a show during the one-on-one sessions. And then during the game, my ability to block was really highlighted during the NFL PA game. And so I was just, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to raise my draft stock, but it's not all about draft stock. I just love to play football and the opportunity to still be playing the game. I love is something to be cherished. So once again, I'm thankful for the tropical bowl, NFL PA bowl, and now I'm excited
1: for the future. I think it's the perfect time right now to kind of ask you about Florida State's tour of duty, especially with the last session of 2023 being a very early tomorrow morning. And you being a guy who went through it a couple of years during your career under Mike Norvell, you know, what can you tell us about that? Because a lot of us have heard, you know, it's it's an hour of hell and, and you're a guy who's actually experienced it.
0: Yeah, Coach Norvell and Coach Storm tried to do as best as they could to model what Coach Battery and Mickey Andrews implemented early on in the Florida State process, so I think they did a great job of that. It is an hour of hell, but you definitely see your team growing together. And Last year was the best tour of duty that we had as a unit, and it turned out to be the best season that we had during my entire time at FSU. So the proof is in the pudding. I, I respect Coach Norvell and Coach Storms for the way that they put the program together, tour of duty, well, really the rest of the program too, but tour of duty really it tells you what type of team you're going to have and whether or not guys are gonna have the mental toughness and the stick to miss to get through a long season despite adversity. So it's really just a test to show you where your team is and what you guys can accomplish.
3: What did it did, did you find that Florida State and your team last year was gonna make a jump after going through tour duty? Because we got to go out there and we got to witness what y'all were going through. And as some of those players that stood out end up making some moves on the field this last year, did right. you kind of sense that from a few players and also just the overall team?
0: I sensed it from tour duty, but where I really got the faith and belief that we were gonna grow as a team was when I watched Jordan Travis prepare in the offseason. The season before in 2021, he was a hard worker. He would come to all the throwing sessions. But in 2022, you just saw a marked difference in the way that he approached workouts, the way that he approached the offseason throwing sessions that were mandated by the coaches. And just the way that he was able to put in work from 2021 to 2022 is why we saw such a big jump in his game. So if he still has that same type of approach, which I feel like he does, we still talk very often, at least once or twice a week. He'll call me and just check in. I'll tell him, you got to keep doing what you were doing last year because if you can do that, then he's going to be on the Heisman podium in New York at the end of the season, at least a finalist, but I think he'll won the trophy
3: he's got top three odds right now Heisman odds going into <laughs> the pre or yeah preseason early early preseason but you think you think that's I mean, it feels like like you said the growth from Jordan Travis and we got to see it in practice him connecting well with a lot of new players coming in and that that takes a lot too with freshmen, but now you have transfers that you're expected to grow. And build experience with you think that he's earned that right to say hey you know this is a guy that is going to has a really high chance of making it to be in the Heisman finalist in 2020 so his
0: off-schedule playmaking ability is what the game is looking for now so I just I believe that if anybody can do it Jordan can do it especially with the competition that we're going to have to play this year I see him having a crazy regular season and then in an in the ACC championship that we could very rightfully win this this time around. So I definitely see him being up there in New York and being able to win the trophy. But nobody will really know until the season comes around and we can actually watch him play and see what other guys are doing. But he definitely has the potential and the talent to
1: win that trophy.
0: If I was a betting man, I would
1: bet on Jordan. For sure. And it's kind of funny because you've really been there for the beginning, You know, ever since Jordan stepped on the field against Boston College in 2019 to to debut. And you've kind of seen him – make these improvements and this growth uh, during his time at Florida State. So I guess, you know, when did he really start to become the leader that that we saw him grow into uh, over this last year?
0: I would say during the 2020 season when he didn't earn the starting job in fall camp, but he just kept working, kept coming to work every day. And then he finally got the opportunity to play and he brought us back in some games that year. And then in 2020, it was a rough season for everybody, but when when Jordan got the reins to the offense, everybody saw our team improve and, he was just taking off the whole season. And then the way that he worked in the 2021 offseason, going into 2022, that's when I kind of knew like, okay, yeah, he's a guy. and He's going to be a potential first round pick, Heisman candidate, especially when he, the way he ended the season last year, came back from an ankle injury. and was able to lead our team to victory in multiple games. So I kind of, I I saw it from him in 2020.
3: Going to last season, Cam, your, your tight end room, well, how would you describe that room? Because Marquiston, you call him Biscuit, he comes out and kind of maybe shocks a few people, at least some of the people covering the team were like, okay, Marquiston Douglas might be a guy combined with Cam McDonald. You have that versatility from two players. What would you kind of describe that room, the production that Mike Norvell and you know, Alex Atkins, but primarily what Mike Norvell likes to do with his tight ends? What would you kind of describe that room last year?
0: Well, Chris, Coach Chris Thompson, he. He sets it up so that everybody in that room feels like a blue-collar worker, willing and able to do the dirty work. And we, he he teaches us to play poor, hungry, and determined. And that's what you kind of get from that room, a bunch of gritty guys who are not above doing the dirty work. And the offense will pull on counter, will lead block for the outside zone, be front side on the outside zone, attached. So just that the way that they use the tight ends, it kind of encourages a, a workman's attitude and just – the way that Marquise came along last year was able to score touchdowns in big moments for the team when we needed it the most. He did a great job in his role, and I think he, he earned the, the opportunity to compete for the tight end one position. And it'll be interesting in spring to see what that tight end room looks like. But even when you look at a guy like Preston Daniel and what he was able to do in the run game and the way that they can scheme him up to get the ball because everybody feels like he's just a blocking tight end. But if you throw it to him, he'll catch it. If you go back to that play in 2020 against North Carolina, that's when he kind of, like, shocked the world. I, I – predict more plays from pressing happening that way. But everybody in that room is is full of dynamic playmaking ability, especially with the additions that we got in the transfer portal. So, you know, I'm excited. And I, I appreciate what Coach Atkins does and really Coach Norvell, but especially Coach Chris Thompson, the way that he would, he's able to, you know, get the script, go through it with us, tell us exactly what we need to do so we can play flawless football. And that's that's really what makes that room special.
1: And, you know, you mentioned a couple of those guys in the room, can you also talk a little bit about Brian Courtney and Jarrell Powers, you know, two guys who weren't weren't really as involved in the rotation last year as true freshmen but seem to have bright futures, and, you know, you got to work with them a lot in practice.
0: Well, I'll just start with Brian Courtney. His mindset and approach to being a college football player and playing at Florida State and pouring into a program is exactly what it needs to be. He has no problem with doing the dirty work for a team, playing on all four core special teams. So I think as he develops into his career, he's going to end up being a playmaking player. Uh, Savage uh, for a tight end and then Jarrell Powers came in with the receiving ability that you're looking for to play in this offense and I think the more time that he gets under Coach Thompson he's going to really develop into you know what this team expects for the tight end vertical playmaking ability run after catch ability I think those two players have a bright future in front of them
1: and I also wanted to ask you about Coach Thompson because For whatever reason, he's someone that it seems like fans find some reason to criticize him for stuff. And, you know, you're a guy who played under him for three years. So from your perspective, you know, what's Coach Thompson like?
0: Coach Thompson helped me develop my game to heights that I didn't see myself being able to get to. Coming coming out of high school, I was really more of a receiver and – You know, I I liked to block coming out of high school, but it's not that I didn't have the technique to do it. But now when you go and you watch and you turn on my film from 2020, 2021, 2022, I just kept getting better and better as a receiver, but mainly as a blocker because I always had that receiving ability. But if Coach Thompson never would have came in because he's a former offensive line coach, so his techniques and the little things that he teaches in the run blocking game helped my career so much, and they set me up for a long career in the NFL. So I don't know why Coach Thompson receives the criticism that he does, probably because he's not a good and glamour, flashy guy, but we got the exact right guy at the tight end position to help our players develop into true tight ends and being able to, you know, play at the next level potentially. So I appreciate Coach Thompson, and he helped me a lot during my career. We used to meet two or three times a week on our own just to go through the game plan and help me play flawless football. I don't know if I would be the player that I am today without his tutelage. So people, the fans got to give him his respect. Mm
3: -hmm. going into spring camp cam that starts on monday and all of us here are kind of dang that happened quick but florida state is going to be back out on the field what does spring camp do for a player and i know you're a veteran guy you were a veteran you'd gone through the whole process multiple times but how big of spring camp is it for someone that is used to just maybe watching fall camp and then get into the football season how big for a fan an fsu fan for for watching spring camp coverage and what florida state's going to be rolling out there to the spring camp
0: well i think that a fan should be able to recognize and appreciate spring camp when they watch what it does for a team your team can really come together and prepare for fall camp, which is obviously the most important part of the season because it's right before you play the games. But spring camp is so vitally important to, you know, what a team can do and what type of heights they can achieve if they can get over the hump during spring camp. And then once they're over the hump, get continue to get even better day by day during fall camp. That it, it shows you how important that spring training really is. So I appreciate the way that our our program is centrally focused on spring camp during spring ball because a lot of coaches around the country, they, they kind of use spring ball to prepare for fall camp, not, not just coaching staff. Every day before practice starts, Coach Novell is going to give a passionate speech to the team explaining why today is the most important day. It's like that every day in our program. That's why when you attack spring ball the way that we do, You can see the leaps and bounds that players make individually. Yeah,
3: that's a good way. That's a good way of putting it. What What is it with Norvell? Does he give you a lot of energy going into these practices? Seems seems to be the case. He's running on. uh, I don't know what he's running on. We've been trying to figure that out. Whatever that bottle that whoever's giving that bottle that has the caffeine in it it seems like it's working pretty well. But what is it about want to play for Mike Norvell that has kind of attracted you to go out there and perform well?
0: It's actually funny that she said that too, because I asked Coach Norvell, like, "How do you show up with the energy and passion that you show up with every day?" He says he's intrinsically motivated. He doesn't, he doesn't drink caffeine. It's all because he's just a special individual, and I don't know how he does it, but he's the type of coach that gets you ready to run through a wall. I appreciate Coach Norvell for what he did for my career and his approach to the game and the, his consistency and approach helped me in my help me in my career even moving past for the state just the things that he was able to preach and apply and get individuals on the team to apply still apply in my life to this day every day so I know it's I haven't I'm not that far removed from the program but I definitely learned a lot of stuff from coach Norvell and a lot of scouts asked me like if you could bring a coach with you who would it be I would easily coach Norvell just because I respect all of the coaches on staff but he's the head coach for a reason. He's special. Uh, it's crazy to see, even when we were 0-4 in 2021, he was the same guy. He showed up every day, passionate, ready to work. He wasn't as happy, but he was showed up every day, passionate, ready to work, ready to coach, ready to pour into the program. So as a player, you can't do anything but respect that.
1: We're kind of going to jump around here, but I found it interesting. A couple of times you've mentioned the uh, the core for special teams units and how you played those during the all-star All Star games that you participate in and talking about it for some of the current tight ends on the roster. So as you make this transition to the next level, obviously that aspect is going to be really important for you. And at the same time, that was something that Mike Norvell and Coach JP really focused in on in Tallahassee. So do you think the importance that they made special teams at Florida State is going to help you as you make this transition?
0: Oh, definitely, especially the- – a player with my size and stature and ability to run, I'm going to make four core special teams a, a reason why I stay in the NFL. Because as early on in your career, you might not earn a starting job, and I'm fully prepared for that. But I also know that what I can do a punt, punt return, kickoff, and kickoff return, I can run and set up angles for a block. I can defeat blocks all because of what we did, not only in fall camp, but in spring during tour duty. The emphasis that we put on special teams and special teams fundamentals. I really, I initially saw it applied in the All Star games, but I'm gonna be able to apply it for the rest of my career, just because Coach Norvell says his special teams is where we get our edge, and I believe that Coach JP is easily one of the best, if not the best, special teams coach in the country. I've never seen a better special teams coach. Just the techniques that he's able to get our get our players to apply that apply to offense and defense, is it's special. So I, I'm excited and I'm grateful for the special teams training and knowledge that I have and being able to apply it for the rest of my career.
3: Cam, we talked about it quite a bit with y'all and your teammates this last season. Going into bowl game prep, this 10 wins meant a lot to you guys. And Norvell would bring it up, too, after every practice, and a few players would, too. But there was something going on inside the moor where there was a 10 wins. I don't know really what it was, a, a banner or something like that that made a lot of importance for you guys to get that win and beat Oklahoma and Orlando. How did that whole practice prep go and then you earning that 10 win? What did that mean to you personally and also as a team moving forward?
0: Well that tenth win to me personally and the guys that I came in with, it meant the world to us because when we first got there, what were we? We were six and or five and seven and then we went six and six and then we get a new coaching staff and now we're three and six. Uh, 2021, we're five and seven again. So to be able to finish out that season 10 and three and finally get to 10 wins, it made everything that we went through at F- Florida State, the adversity that we stuck through, it made it all worth it. It made my Florida State career, it, it finished it with a cherry on top. It was just amazing, just not only to me, but the guys that I came in with. And the reason why it's so important in the building is because a 10 win season as a college football program means that. This team is being a, this program is, has done something right to be able to get back on top or climb back to the top of the mountaintop. We're not all the way there yet. We'll be back fully. We're winning ACC championships and competing for natties, but I think that, that that's going to be the case in 2023. The reason why it was so important to our team is because we're, uh, the banner that you're referring to is as you're walking out of the locker room and into the training room, I believe that it was 24 10 win seasons. And I don't know the official number, but I know that Florida State was ranked easily in the top 10 for the most 10-win seasons ever. So to be able to get that 25th 10-win season, or maybe it's 24th, I'm not sure, that meant the world to that 2022 team just because now we're seaming it in history forever. We were able to change a banner on the wall. And if, if you're able to do that as a team, as a program,
1: you can hang your hat on that. Cam, you were one of the few players at Florida State who were able to play under Willie Taggart and Mike Norvell, you know, those first two years under Coach Taggart and then the final three under Coach Norvell. So I guess during that transition and everything, what, what are some of the changes that you've seen over the past couple of years and the differences between those two eras at Florida State?
0: Well, I always have a special appreciation for Coach Taggart because he gave me an opportunity to play at Florida State when that might not have been the case. If, if he wasn't there, it could have been, but maybe not. So I always have a special appreciation for Coach Taggart. But the way that Coach Norvell and Coach Storm structure their program and the rules that we have to adhere to just to show that we're dedicated and committed to the team, commitment to excellence, and the way that we, are, we can find a way to commit to the little things, we have a certain intensity about the way that we work, the rigors of the standard create – mental toughness throughout the program, and it's it's all based on a brotherhood. When Coach Norvell was able to implement that to our team, it still took some time, but we were able to finally get over the hump, and I can see now why Coach Norvell gets the results that he gets because he gets players to buy in the same way he bought he bought in.
1: Not as many West Coast Knowles on the roster now, but whenever you guys kind of started that movement back in that 2018 class, I mean, how, how cool was that to – make the move, you know, not only you, but also would be as well from the West Coast over here to Florida State and Tallahassee.
0: No, yeah, it was super cool. It was a change of culture for me, and I, I, I appreciated it. I was committed to USC initially, but I just wanted to broaden my horizons and get out of my own backyard. I didn't want to have a safety net to fall into. It was all or nothing. So I decommitted from USC, and then when Florida State called and offered me a scholarship, I committed before I even visited the university because I knew that's where I wanted to be just because of what the Seminole head logo represents. And Coach Hervé does a good job of recruiting the West Coast and offering guys that went to the same high school as me and Jada Woodby. Uh, he's starting in the right places, and I think that there are going to be a few more West Coast knows that pop up and make, make instant impact or impact at some point in their career. But obviously Florida needs to be our recruiting hotbed.
3: Cam, we were talking about in the production meeting, and I wish it was covered more, but it was a weird time, and we had COVID going on, but you were doing a lot of community work back on, on the in the West Coast, and I'm not sure in the different areas that you were, definitely maybe in your hometown area, but you were doing a lot of work there. Can you kind of take us through what your idea process was from going from Tallahassee, going and traveling over there, and maybe kind of what you were doing, too, because we had talked about I had put out a couple of tweets about it because I thought it was phenomenal work and I thought it was awesome what you were what you were doing with, you know, your partners that you were working with. But can you kind of detail us a little bit on what you were doing?
0: Uh, 2020 was a hard time for a lot of people, and it gave me an opportunity to really find my purpose in life. You know, football is just a platform. It's a vehicle to be able to get me to where I'm going. But I think for the long term, for the rest of my life, I'll be doing community service just because there's a, there's a certain – type of exhilaration that you get there's the exhilaration that you get for making plays and it can't be replicated any other way but making plays on the football field you get a similar type of feeling when you make plays for people and you put people in a position to have a better day or put a smile on their face you know because everybody can do something you know what I'm saying so I, I figured out that my purpose on earth was to serve God by serving other people and in 2020 I started my own nonprofit organization. I got the help from my family members, and I slowed down a little bit over during towards the end of the season. And then right now, just because it's so centrally focused on football, but for the rest of my life, I am going to be serving people and just doing as much community service as possible because I want to make a, an ending on people while I'm here or you only get a certain amount of time.
1: And obviously, you know, with your charity work, and we've talked about – the 10-win season that you guys just had, you've had a really special career at Florida State and kind of in college. So when you look back, and, you know, those are going to be two memories that you obviously cherish, but what are some things, you know, on and off the field that you're going to remember about your time at Florida State?
0: Well, the main thing that I'm going to remember is just how I was able to stick through adversity. And, you know, a lot of guys that I went to school with, they felt like the best decision for them was just to enter the transfer portal. And I could see why. It was hard. It was It wasn't easy. And I was even faced with that decision multiple times. But I ultimately decided to stick it through and stay with the university because I bleed guarded in gold. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made just to, you know, retire as a Seminole and be able to go into the NFL. Because even in my short time just training for the draft or playing in the Tropical Bowl, NFL PA Bowl, this Seminole head logo holds weight. And I had the helmet on. It holds weight. People come up and talk to you. How was your career at Florida State? This about Florida State, that about Florida State. The guys that I train with, they love to talk trash about Florida State. It just (laughs) is what it is. We're a a flagship university, a flagship program, and I couldn't be more honored to have worn the spears on my helmet, represent the Seminole head for the rest of my life, and be able to say that I'm a Seminole through and through.
3: We were talking about it earlier, Cam. And there's a lot of excitement for this tight end room moving forward. You were saying that you feel like there's a high, high potential for this to be a nice stacked and talented room for coach Thomason. We got, we got Jaheem Bell coming in. You talked about Kyle Morlock too. And then what you, we were already working with, you've got Marquistan Douglas, you've got some youngest to drill powers. You've got Brian Courtney also in there. You had Preston Daniel. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variety in this room, Maybe kind of take us through, you know, Jaheem Bell, maybe the additions that you think this will help the offense for Mike Norvell.
0: Well, starting with the guys that we already had, the numbers in the tight end room, there's no better coach for to have this tight end staff than Coach Norvell because he's so creative. He's so multiple in the ways that he gets multiple tight ends on the field at every time. So you're gonna we're going to see a lot of tight ends play, a lot of tight ends that were already in the program. But the additions that we were able to make, Jaheim Bell is what he's advertised to be. Like he is special with the ball in his hands, a specialized receiver, and you can give him handoffs out of the backfield. He's just a Swiss Army knife, and Coach Norvell is a creative play caller, a creative play designer. So we're going to see a lot of big plays from Jaheim Bell because he's a high volume guy. He got, I believe, he got 90 touches, 90 touches at South Carolina. So with coming to a system with like Coach Norvell runs. I expect the same type of production and the same type of impact that he had on the team. And then when, you got, when you're when looking at somebody like Kyle Morlock, he is – what he was able to do at his previous school is going to translate to this level because of how he did it. He just physically imposed his will on people. And he was a force in the run game, a force in the pass game. And the way that Coach Thompson is going to be able to develop those two players as, long, uh, as well as the guys who are already in the room, it's going to be a special, a special year for the tight end position and high ceiling. It's a very high ceiling.
1: Cam, you've talked about that tight end unit. You've talked about a couple of the younger guys like Brian Courtney and Jarrell Powers. I also just wanted to ask you, you know, maybe some younger guys across the roster that you think are going to start stepping up for Florida State that maybe weren't necessarily starters or in the rotation this past season, but that you think could have bright futures in Tallahassee.
0: You know, uh, the first I got, I got a, a lot of guys come to mind, but the first name <laughs> sure. the is, is Ariane Thomas, his approach to the preparation, his approach to the way he takes care of his body. And then his overall talent on the field is just, it's crazy to me. I really believe that he's going to be one of the next big DBs to come out of Florida state. He's going to help reclaim DBU, the DBU title at Florida State. And then there's some more defensive backs. Greedy Vance just has a propensity to get his hands on the football. Uh, As a defensive back, you can't ask anything more, but he does more. But if he can continue, which he will, to get his hands on the football and lead the team in interceptions, that's a guy we need to look out for. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I think Ja'Kai Douglas is going to reemerge as one of our premier playmakers just because of what he can do without the ball in his hands. As far as route running ability, and then after he gets the ball in his hands, he's special. Um, as far as young guys go, man, we can really say any anybody because it's hard to play at Florida State. All every, everybody who's a young guy on the team, I expect big things from. But those guys specifically, I think, okay, yeah, this is their time to shine.
3: We didn't get to see him. Last year, play on the field, but you got to spend quite a bit of time with him. And we saw him participate in a few practices, Cam. But Winston Wright Jr., if he's able to be fully a go, and we'll see what happens his availability this spring camp. But if he's able to go in 2023, what is that going to do to this offense, you think, just coming off of his background and what he was able to do at West Virginia? What do you think he could bring? He's a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his
0: hands. And I believe getting him back. Fully healthy, full speed, being able to sprint 22, 23 miles an hour is going to free up the other wide receivers on the field who already had dynamic playmaking ability. You put Johnny Wilson out there with Micah Pittman and uh, Winston and then even other guys. You got – if you throw Ja'Kai in that mix or Darion Williamson in that mix the Ken Tronporti in that mix, it's, it's a crazy combination that you can able, that you can be able to – a lot, of, a lot of bodies to get the ball to. So if we can find a way to spread the ball around and get everybody making an impact on the game, it's going to be hard for a team to line up and beat us.
1: Florida State's coming off a special season. season Ten wins, obviously beating Oklahoma in that Cheez-It Bowl, beating Florida and Miami in the same season for the first time since 2016, the first time during your college career. And, you know, everyone's going to remember that LSU game as well down in New Orleans um, to kind of kick that run off. but. What do you feel like is the next step? Obviously, you're not going to be here in 2023, but what do you think is next for Mike Norvell and Florida State this upcoming season?
0: I think this upcoming season is going to be the best season that we've had in maybe since 2016, but even if you include 2016 in there, I think that this season is going to be the season where we get an appearance in the ACC championship. We make an appearance in – the national or the college football playoffs competing for the national championship. It's far out, so it's hard to say, but I really believe that we have a national championship caliber team with the additions that they were able to make and the returning the returning production that they got to be able to come back. So I think this is the season where we see some championship rings along with the state championship again. I'm cool with hanging my hat on the state championship because listen, when I first got here we were down and out. But I think that we're gonna win the state championship. We're going to compete for ACC title, probably win an ACC title and compete in the college football playoffs with the chance to win it. It's just hard to say that we're going to win it right away just because it's so far out. We're still in the spring. we got to see this team play, but we gotta, we got the ability to win the title, national title.
1: Being yeah. someone who's talked about how much playing at Florida State meant to you for, for this season, your last year at Florida State to defeat Miami in the way that you guys did and then also to pull yeah. off that epic victory against Florida where You've got the fans rushing Doak after after it's over. What was it like just to experience that?
0: Well, actually, I don't want to take credit for it, but I kind of want to. <laughs> I went to the – I knew this was my last game at Doke. so I told myself before the game, if we'll win, we win this game. I'm rushing to the student section. I'm waving them to come on the field. I actually posted it on my Instagram. I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. All of a sudden, you just see chosen people just jumping on the field. I was All like, right. That was a crazy moment. And then – to be able to beat Miami and Florida in the same season, that meant the world to me because I had never won a state championship ever in my life, not even in high school. And to be able to win it in college, and we're really the only team in Florida that can win a state championship because we're the only one that plays both of the Power 5 programs in the state. So nobody else can really claim that title except Florida State. So be able to claim it in my final year, with the guys that I came in with, the Keyshawn Heldons, the Amari Ganners, and the people who have moved on from the program, maybe on the different programs because it was a better fit for them. But to be able to stick through it all and and say we finally got that title, I'm excited to put that ring on my finger when I go back to Tallahassee. I got fitted for one. I got fitted for my pinky. I li- Oh
3: my! I literally was about to ask you. That's what I was going to interrupt and say. Did they get you? I was making sure that y'all were going to get your state championship ring. Yes, yeah, for sure.
0: They made it. I think they're gonna put a cheesebowl tag on there. I don't know if we get a cheesebowl ring or if they're putting the cheesebowl stamp on the state championship ring. Either way they do it, it's gonna be dope.
3: Either way it's gonna look good, that's for mm-hmm. sure. I've got two questions left, but our most important one of the night, whenever we have our guests on here, and you better be smart with this one, Cam. So hopefully you did your homework. You probably did. You've been here for a while in Tallahassee, the best go-to food spot here in the a 50 what, what what was your what's your go-to? You're not eating at the fig. You're you're going straight to somewhere. <laughs> you need something good, or you're after the Florida game. You just beat Florida. Where you going to eat?
0: Can I have a top two or three? Cause I, mean, I
3: you can do a three. You can do a three, but you got to go three, two, one, though.
0: Okay, three, two, one. Three for me will probably have to be. Ooh, mm. I'm gonna put Hobbit in the top three because those wings are crazy at Hobbit. Yep. I don't want to do a specific order because it's a toss-up for me. What what? Wait, Guthrie's on a late night. If you're leaving College Town or whatever you were doing, Guthrie's on a late night is gonna, it'll hit every time. And I don't know if you were expecting me to say this, but relish probably because I was trying to gain so much weight being in Tallahassee, so I was a, a frequent relish eater. But a lot of times we ate off the mucho after, and none of those things are on mucho. Well, on mucho.
3: But, yeah, as a Hobbit, we we had them as as a sponsor.
0: Well, have, what's the best place to eat out in Maybe I think,
3: I think Wingstop's the the right choice. But you
0: can get Wingstop anywhere though. I interjected on that you one. You gotta so. wait
3: an hour for What no. yeah. I say. <laughs> No. I meant to say Hobbit. I meant to say Hobbit. Did oh, I say? Well, you said stopped. Wingstop, buddy. Oh, that's because we did order this past weekend at a at a rough Sunday, so Uber Eats it was on there. They had a deal going on, so I, I was in a rough state. Cam, you've probably seen me in a rough state before, so that's what I was like on Sunday morning. Um, I like
0: Wingstop, though. That's not a bad choice.
3: <laughs> no, but I was going to ask though: you, bone in or bone out? What are we talking here? Boneless?
0: It all bon- depends on where I'm going.
3: Uh,
0: Hobbit, bone in for sure. Pony with the uh, lemon pepper dry rub and garden and gold sauce on the side to dip in Mm -hmm. with the tater tots and the large, the large lemonade. (laughs) So you
3: were gaining weight. Did that help gain any weight?
0: Yeah, for sure. Stones was really the reason why I was gaining weight, but our nutrition program is second to none. When they put Hobbit on Muto, it was over.
1: (laughs) It's like $50. Nah. Dang. <laughs>
3: NIL's really hitting, huh? Nil's in here. That looks uh, so nice though. <laughs> um, but that's funny. This kind of leads into my last question here. Off season, I'm big on it, but conditioning, lifting, what does that regimen really look like right now? If you know you're going into it, you know, I know you're no longer with 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 the program, but what does that look like for a player this off season? Are some guys having to put on a build and then they cut later when they get to fall camp or over the summer? I'm just wondering how that process goes for Coach Storms right now.
0: Well, depending on the player, it could look different, but the workload is going to look the same. A lot of running, a lot of working on uh, the ability to move, stop, um, developing power. Our squad party is coming soon. Actually, do they do the squad party already?
3: I don't. I don't he think they did because it would have been on social media for sure.
0: So I think it either, it's either going to be this Friday or they're going to move it to the summer, but the squat party, everybody just building up power and explosiveness as much as possible and building strength. But for me right now it looks different because right now I'm a glorified track runner because that 40 yard dash is everything right now. So I do a lot of just linear speed work right now, uh, lifts in the weight room that are centered around getting faster as a player and then a lot of recovery. Uh, It looks different for me right now. Not as much position work because that's down the line. I'm just really focused on this pro day that's coming up. But for the players within the program, it's a heavy workload.
3: Speaking of running, did you have you seen Jared Verse and all his chatter on Twitter calling out a few of your former teammates saying that he could beat them in a race?
0: Jared Verse can – there's a 99th percentile defensive end who can run like the wind. But he's not faster than Jordan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's not. Is he faster than Trey?
0: No. <laughs> I mean, we're talking guys with elite speed at their position. A defensive end is not going to be faster. A fast defensive end is not faster than a fast running gun. But Jared Verse can run like the wind.
3: All right, hey, you know this is being clipped, so this is gonna hit Twitter. Last one, it hit very well. We heard from Jordan Travis, heard from Trey. Everybody got involved there, Jared, because Jamie come, came on here and also talked about uh, Jared verse. But yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Hopefully, maybe one of them will do it during during spring camp. It's also a little bit different too. Once you put on pads, you know how it is.
0: Once well, you put on pads, it is different. But mm-hmm. Jordan goes to another speed level when his pads come on. It's crazy. He just runs past people.
3: It is weird, isn't it?
0: Eric can hawk people down, but I don't think he's hawking Jordan down. No, mm-hmm.
3: I don't think so either. I don't think so either, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, Cam, been looking forward to this for a long while now. I appreciate you coming on here. I'm wishing you the best of luck. Stay healthy. Mm-hmm. This was great having you on, giving us some insight, and really, really always pulling for you, man. So Thank you, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll me. see you soon too once you come back in town to Tallahassee and we'll link up for sure. Yes, See him sir. at
1: the end of the month for Pro Day. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Pro
3: Day's is coming up, so looking forward to seeing you there, man. Have a good evening. Thanks nice for having me, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Cam. See you, Cam. Well, that was a great interview there from our guy Cam McDonald, former FSU starting tight end. Good friends with him. So happy to have him on. I've been working on it for a while, but. Uh, has a bright future ahead, and you can just see not only on the field, the things that he does off the field is phenomenal. So excited to uh, you know kind of further cover him once Florida State begins. It's pro day not too long away now. Uh, time is flying, guys. Time is flying
1: by. Yeah, like you said, uh, it's already March 1st. We got tour of duty tomorrow. Then we got a spring practice. And, yeah, before you know it, pro day on, I believe it's March 31st, It'll be here before we know it, man. In the blink of an eye.
2: And the spring games, you know, six weeks away. <laughs> we're just we're just flying through it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
3: think it helps too. You get ten wins it makes it so there's a lot more coverage. You get a bowl game too. I forget. You got a whole season lasts a little longer. Yeah, it helps. It helps a ton. So uh, appreciate Cam for getting us those ten wins and allows us to give a lot more coverage. So uh, appreciate. My guy, Cam, hopping on to the show. We've got a few quick hitters, and then we've got to dive into this defensive spring camp preview, which I think a lot of FSU fans are excited to talk about. Uh, We've been jumping on I don't need to talk too much about it but two quick things tour of duty begins tomorrow at 6 a.m thursday morning we'll be there bright and early make sure you guys are in our discord also on twitter there's gonna be a lot of coverage coming onto our socials and we're also planning on doing a spaces afterwards so if you're looking to hear a discussion and some newcomers the returnees uh freshmen what they're looking like we'll be having a spaces afterwards on that um, and then we talked about it too. Jordan Travis having the top three Heisman odds right now. Cam McDonald talked about it. You know, he thinks he most certainly deserves the, that hype talk going into it. And, you know, I thought it was pretty cool to hear from Cam's perspective, seeing the growth that Jordan Travis took from this last year to the next one and got to see that in the spring and the fall camp specifically before they even hit the field. He saw a, a uprise
1: and Jordan Travis's play. Yeah, I mean, he's coming off a season where he completed 64% of his passes at a career high, became the first FSU quarterback to break into that 3,000-yard passing mark since DeAndre Francois back in 2016 and is one of four quarterbacks to record 30-plus total touchdowns in a single season at Florida State. The other three ended up winning the Heisman. So we'll see if Jordan Travis is able to do it in 2023. I think it helps that he's got a lot of guys coming back that he's already worked with, and then Florida State is filling in some of the gaps with – transfers that are extremely experienced when you think of a guy like jaheem bell like like cam uh, was saying whenever he's here for his interview those additions could take Florida state's tight end room to the next level and potentially have it as deep as it's been you know in in quite some time with some of those young talent uh young talent in the fold as well and then you look over at the wide receiver unit you've got a bunch of experience coming back and a five-star and hiking williams as well so i think jordan travis's weapons as well as his progression is really going to put him in that conversation but We'll see how it plays out. You know, it really depends. Is he is he going to be in games long enough to make the argument to get those stats? Because we saw during the stretch run of last year when Florida State was blowing out teams like Georgia Tech, Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana, that four-game stretch. I mean, Jordan Travis, he wasn't playing very much in the second half.
2: Yeah, but neither was Jameis in 2013, and he still got every Heisman vote that he needed. You know, as, as long as the team is successful and Jordan Travis has put up the right numbers, he'll be in the conversation.
3: I think Florida State's doing a good job too, marketing right yeah. now, and they're going to continue to do that. But I think that's a good that's a good point, Dustin. If you're looking at stats, at least. But um, I, I think you know Jordan Travis continuing to make growth because there is still a lot of growth that Jordan Travis can make. I think you know there's still some names I hear from national outlets, and I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. Nobody's talking about Jordan Travis still, and that's something Florida State's trying to get his name out there more and I think it's going to start and we're going to hear a lot of good things out of spring camp hopefully the biggest thing too is staying healthy but uh, we we saw Jordan Travis was able to do that we saw he got injured in Louisville he was able to come back and play in the next game and just kind of how Jordan Travis mentality is so uh, there's a lot of upside and you know receiving those top Heisman odds Uh, he's earned that right now it's continuing to improve and do it on a different level going into 2023 with the amount of talent the amount of talent that he has coming back specifically, even just starting the spring camp you you're, there's, there's no excuses. There's no excuses with what you have around you now. So um, yeah, it's much deserving and, and we'll see, we're going to see Jordan Travis here tomorrow morning, but more specifically on Monday, once spring camp begins, and we're going to see uh, a few more quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk about this recruiting roundup piece, Dustin. I've noted on here because you were just up in hot Atlanta for a big it in Atlanta. Team. It was,
1: it was Carrollton.
3: Well, definitely no one Atlanta. knows VZ Austin. Do you know where no. Carrollton is in Georgia? Right. No, well, I'm just saying
1: it's definitely not Atlanta.
3: Well, I said hot Atlanta first off. Um, and then no one knows where Carrollton is. I, I don't, I don't that sounds like in my, like a name for my aunt, but recruiting roundup. How was it? Cam Davis latest, because I know Twitter's freaking out. There's you know he's going to now plan a visit over to, Deion Sanders in Colorado. He's still planning an official visit here in Tallahassee, but there's some other schools trying to get some interest from him, including a late push here from Nick Saban in Alabama. Just take us through that trip there and some some Cam Davis scoop.
1: It was a good event. A lot of FSU um, – well, the one commitment in Cam Davis, CJ Heard was expected to compete, but he actually didn't end up making it that day dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury right now but a lot of fsu targets out there competing from a multitude of classes um and yeah like you said we we got to speak with cam davis prior to the competition which i i thought it was just big for him to even be out there because at this point of his recruitment a five-star running back a guy who's already earned an invitation to the under armor all-american game you know there's not really a whole ton of reasons for him to attend an event like this. There's not really much that he can get out of it. But regardless, he showed that mentality, went out there, competed, ended up earning some honors at the end of his uh, respective session. But, yeah, he, he said that he's planning to officially visit Florida State and Colorado at this time. I mean, those dates aren't locked in, but he's talking about taking those during the fall. Um, Deion Sanders has really been making him a priority ever since he made that move to Colorado a couple of months ago. And then outside of that, schools like Tennessee – Georgia, um, LSU remain in pursuit of Cam Davis, just staying in contact with him. It, it's funny you bring up Alabama because Alabama is one that he mentioned is kind of on the outs right now. The Crimson Tide haven't remained really in consistent contact, and that was something that Davis noted and just said at this stage, it's it's maybe a little bit too late for Alabama. But, of course, you know, schools are going to continue to stay involved with Cam Davis with him being a five-star prospect, one of the the top running backs, if not the very top running back in that 2024 class. But at the same time, Saturday marked the two-year anniversary of his commitment to Florida State. You know, he's been here since the beginning. He was committed to Florida State when they were coming off a a three – three and six season, Mike Norvell's first year in Tallahassee, and he's remained steadfast. And now the Seminoles have made that improvement, obviously, to 10 wins, showed that they can develop running backs here in Tallahassee while showcasing them. In multiple roles. So I, I don't think there's a ton to worry about with cam Davis at this time, but he's going to continue to take those visits and he has every right to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cam going back and watching him at the
3: elite camp this last off season during the summer, he's a guy that likes to compete. So he's going to go to these things. And, you know, usually, like you said, five stars aren't at these as much, at least participating and competing in them. But that's just kind of how Davis is as, as a person, his mentality. And I fully respect. It. And I think to Florida state, the biggest thing here is going to be the relationships and what 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 we what we hear the interviews and the plenty. I, I feel bad for him, young kid, having to do these interviews yeah. nonstop and continuously. And I think too, we harp on it more because of the Travis Hunter Hunter incident. But the, the relationship that he has specifically with Coach Yak and being able to see that with my own eyes and just show the true passion those two have for one another. I think it goes a long way, and including also the family relationship with, with Coach uh, David Johnson, um, he's it he, he works out really well.
1: And yeah, it's certainly got to be tough when you've got eight or nine, ten reporters around you, shoving a, a camera in your face. It's you got to remember it's about 10 a.m. On, on a Sunday here. Mm-hmm. Cam's walking up to this event and already has to answer his interview questions for. You know, 10 minutes or so before he even gets to sign into the camp. So that's the life uh, of being a five star prospect.
3: Yep, it is. Anything else really specifically to take away that maybe some FSU fans?
1: Yeah, I was just hoping you could stall real quick while yeah, my dog, st- while your dog, dog barking out of this door.
3: <laughs> yeah, we, we can certainly stall. We can stall Austin VZ. Any recruiting latest on your end on the basketball side?
1: Um,. No,
3: Dustin's back, Mike's off Max, Mike's just, back on for Dustin
2: I,
1: I would just say some other big things coming out of it, Florida State continuing to build that offensive line board right now, uh, you've got four star offensive lineman, Walt Claire Flynn who said that he he is going to take an official visit to Florida State, which he's one of the best centers um, in his class, and, and you've also got four star Caleb Holmes, who Florida State recently offered last month that's a school that Um, Coach Atkins has been really involved with Holmes since he was entering his sophomore year and has been building a a relationship and evaluating him throughout that time. Florida State finally offered last month, so we'll see how things go there. Um, A big one, FSU offered John Wayne Oliver last month as well. I got to speak with him at the camp, and he's going to be at Florida State for the very first time on March 25th to watch FSU's first scrimmage of the spring so that's a big one a a guy who's six foot five 280 pounds he's got other schools like michigan tcu kentucky and missouri in pursuit and then i would say the the linebacker board as well starting to see some expansions there got to speak with a four-star linebacker qua birdsong who's going to be at Florida State on march 11th A, a guy that randy shannon has been targeting as of late and this is another one where the Seminoles haven't joined his recruitment quite yet, but we expect once he steps onto campus, he's going to get that scholarship offer in March. And, and Florida State, they're going to be right there in the the top five of that recruitment. And then also Tristan Jernigan out of Mississippi, a new name to know on the board that Florida State just offered earlier this month. Gabe Fortita really involved there, the senior offensive analyst. FSU trying to get him on campus, kind of the same time frame that March 10th, 11th weekend, which... Seems like it's shaping up to be quite a big junior day.
3: Yeah, it's seeming to be a pretty big day. We put out a piece earlier today to two former FSU stars expected, expected. There was a game plan for this to go through last year and just things didn't work out. But there is some high expectations for Florida State to have. Both former FSU stars slash NFL stars Jalen Ramsey and Derwin James in attendance. Uh, to be around that recruiting weekend. I, I just can't imagine if they're able to do that. I've, I, I was told another name I can't give out yet, but another big name offensively that if that works out, then Florida State done a really good job. W- you know, What about this weekend? Man, it just feels like it's built enough to be one of the biggest that Mike Norvell has had in his tenure.
1: It's huge. Florida State really pushing to get as many top targets in as possible on the, on that day, and right now it's built up to – multiple blue chip guys I think over three or four five-star prospects from the 2024 and 2025 classes I mean that's just what we know as of now that's going to continue to grow over these next 10 days it feels like this is the one that Florida stayed outside of the spring game they want this probably to be the biggest day um, so far during this kind of spring recruiting calendar in um, March and April so we're going to see it's going to be a lot of talent there and I think it's going to be big for Mike Norvell to get some of these bigger alumni back, these NFL stars to kind of start fostering that relationship a little bit because Jalen Ramsey, Derwin James, they they haven't been in Tallahassee in a long time. I'm not sure that they've been back here since Mike Norvell was actually hired by Florida State. So I think it's huge, you know, especially being guys that he didn't necessarily coach at Florida State, but him being the head coach now, it's important to have those relationships to alumni who are known across the country. I mean, Derwin James, Jalen Ramsey – Some of these other guys that could be in attendance—they're—they're guys that are looked up to by these high school prospects. That's
3: exactly what I was going to say. These are the whenever you talk to recruits, Dustin. These are the names that they're bringing up. I mean, that's what the ones that were growing up while they were playing high school, they saw they saw Derwin James making plays at Florida State. They saw Jalen Ramsey. And then whenever they make it to the league, too, they're like, yeah, I want to be a Derwin James. I want to be a Jalen Ramsey because those two guys are considered the best at their position and National Football League. So uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. We'll have full coverage around that whole recruiting weekend. Uh, Let's start jumping into this defensive preview, guys, because there's quite a bit to talk about. I want to start off with you know the inter- interior defensive line this this thing seems to be loaded and when you look at names and what's returning plus the addition additions this is this is wild and i we looked at this last year and thought really highly of this unit and and yeah we should but there was some things that maybe we weren't thinking love when love it goes down there is a lot of concern there and, and Florida State's rushing game defense. Let's go through some names real quick. I want to get y'all's thoughts in this room. Returning, Fabian Love It. Florida State's able to get him back, <laughs> get him back for another season, which is ridiculous to think of. None of us on here were imagining that to happen. You're going to add in some newcomers, some transfers with Braden Fisk coming from Western Michigan. You've got Daryl Jackson, Miami transfer has a lot of connections here in Tallahassee. Um, good friends there with Joshua Farmer, and then you've got Joshua Farmer too. Uh, keep on thinking, keep on forgetting this. Dennis Briggs back another another season, who was kind of a hybrid between inside outside. You got Malcolm Raid, young guys like Daniel Lyons, Bishop Thomas, um, Octavius Woody. Uh, you know this room just seems like it's set up for success this upcoming year. I, I just don't know a whole ton of question marks about it really, you know, I guess really the availability
1: of what Braden Fisk and what he can do this
3: spring will be one of mine probably going into it.
1: I think the question mark for me is who's going to play and who's going to play when, because you just have so many Mm. different combinations that you can work with. I mean, obviously you're looking at Fabian Lovett as your number one, but a guy like Braden Fisk, who was very productive at Western Michigan and brings a lot of nice qualities into Florida State, he could instantly work his way in that starting lineup. And, you know, it was funny. You mentioned five or six guys before you even talked about Malcolm Ray, who was starting last year whenever some guys like Lovett and Cooper were dinged up a little bit. Um, Dennis Briggs, who's right there, expect him to kind of continue that transition to defensive tackle and helping out in the interior. Joshua Farmer has shown all of the potential in the world so far. And, I mean, it seems like he's primed right there to push for a starting role. And then Daniel Lyons as well, the, the highest graded – defensive linemen on the team last year according to pff it was in limited snaps but regardless the youngster showed some real potential so i mean to me it's kind of like when we were talking about the offensive line last week this group is really primed to compete right now and then also primed to compete in the future with the young talent that they've got stacked up but i mean it wouldn't surprise me you know like i said with the combinations you've got a guy like fisk who i feel like is very versatile and even in some situations can flex out and play that defensive end role
2: it's incredibly deep, incredibly talented. And I know I said it last year where I wasn't too high on the room at this point last year. It's not the case this year. This this unit is so stacked. Even if you lose Love It to an injury at some point this season or in the spring. I'm just I'm just hypothetically. <laughs> because as we saw it last season, you know, you have that depth behind him now where you I really didn't think you had that last season with just Jared Jackson and some of those some of these other youngsters. Um really I'm just, I'm just hoping these these guys can stay healthy between love and, and if Fisk can get that shoulder back. It, it, it's an incredibly talented room.
3: I'd like to see Daniel Lyons take this next step, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that he was competing, Dustin, we we get to see more of it because we're there in practices. Yeah, he got a little bit of playing time we can watch on TV. But in practices, he's competing pretty well with your ones and twos, and that's coming from a true freshman. I'm just wanting to see that next surge from him another offseason with Coach Storms. I want to see that too, along with Bishop Thomas, and then really – the experiment here the, the i don't the different kind of specimen with Antavius Woody he's now going to be with the defensive line and Odell Hagen's. just just his physical attributes and his tenacity is through the roof that, that's Antavius Woody you go back and watch his film but now it's really correcting getting technique down and it's going to take a lot of mentality it's really the mental game for Antavius Woody if that can click and that can work this spring I'm telling you Antavius Woody uh, can, can be a serious problem during his career at Florida State. I just need those things to click and, and listen. Um, but I, I think Daniel Lyons, out of the younger group, this is a guy that is on track to be a potential breakout star um, this camp going into
1: going into the summer and the fall. Agreed. The cream is really going to rise to the top of this room. I mean, there's going to be a ton of competition. You would think a guy like Daniel Lyons – a guy like Woody, you know, some of those other retro freshmen would be a little – would be stepping up prime for this role, like you're saying, and, and and he is. But then look at how many guys are in front of him because Florida State lost two members of that defensive tackle rotation and Robert Cooper obviously moving on after graduating. And then you had Jared Jackson, who was kind of phased out down the stretch, ended up at Michigan State. You know, you wouldn't think that Florida State would lose two members of that rotation and the unit is even stronger – than it was entering the spring, than it was um, a year ago. So I think you've got to be really excited. And, you know, Odell, JP, Adam Fuller, they're going to have a lot of fun figuring this one out. But at the same time, you know, it may come to a point where someone's displeased with the lack of playing time.
3: want to jump over to defensive end gentlemen which is obviously highlighted by jared verse and you kind of know what you're going to get from him Uh, get him back i think the biggest thing i want to watch is how healthy he is after having to go through majority of that season unhealthy kind of getting dinged up where a plethora of other players got hit at that louisville road game but kind of dealt with that throughout the rest of the season had the brace on but i want to see how healthy he is but there's uh, there's I think there's gonna be this is gonna be a battle room outside of verse between McLendon, Payton, and Turner, which is much needed, and that's because Peyton was able to make those next steps, um, and that happened this last spring. But McLendon, Payton, Turner, I think, gonna be fine for that DE two spot, and I think McLendon, he can rise and maybe up his up his stock a little bit more, but. Payton's kind of on the heels right there. I think one thing that hinders Payton is maybe is his pass rush getting get to the quarterback, but that's where you work on this this offseason and get better. But we saw a big swing for Byron Turner late in the year, definitely certainly in practices. Um, and then you've got a couple newcomers, too, highlighted by Lamont Green Jr., a guy that committed very, very early, your first guy in that Tribe 23 class. Um, and then Jaden Jones, Juco product guy, that also we need to see his availability coming back from – uh, a knee injury who I, I I'm just secretly kind of high on him too I just like mm-hmm. the way
1: his body shapes out and I'm interested what coach storms is going to be able to do with him but can't forget gonna, Gilbert Edmond either the yeah. South Carolina defensive end transfer a lot of SEC experience coming in uh, into that defensive end room from him it's going to push a lot of people this is a
3: battle room we got to we got a battle to watch in this in this room and I understand yeah Jared Verse is going to stick onto his d d and one spot but
1: there's a lot of guys going for some starting playing time yeah well the way florida state likes to run things with that kind of four-man rotation it's going to be kind of you know you've got jared verse returning like you said who's pretty much locked down a spot patrick payton and Derek mcclendon have a spot in that rotation based on what they're able to do a year ago i think it really comes down to who's going to replace leonard warner in that four-man spot whether it's byron turner or or Gilbert Edmond coming in you know Edmond obviously having a little bit more experience at this phase um Turner having some really interesting potential but being set back by injuries during his first two years at Florida State so that battle is going to be really interesting and then I think the battle between Peyton and McClendon for the starting spot it's you know going to draw some rave reviews as well because McClendon obviously been here forever a veteran guy who has kind of built himself up in the weight room over the last couple of years but Peyton all the potential in the world coming off that campaign where he was the ACC's defensive rookie of the year, really started to break out down the stretch for Florida State. It's going to be intriguing, but I think, you know, just like the defensive tackle room, you're entering the spring with a lot more confidence in that defensive room, defensive end room than you had maybe a year ago entering the spring because these guys, Verse, Peyton, McClendon, have all established themselves a little bit more than they did a year ago and have proved themselves.
2: It may not even be about who's starting at the other defensive end, so opposite first. I think it's going to be more about who's finishing the games. Like, when you're up four points, you need you need to stop. Who are you putting on that opposite end? I, I wouldn't be surprised if Peyton, just because of his – I think he's got a higher upside as a passer. He had more sacks last season than McClendon, but it, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how those two compete during spring. Um, both of them are super talented. I just – I think Peyton's going to get that edge but by, by the time we hit – at the season
3: okay i like it early predictions i like it byron turn i think the biggest thing for him to work on is put on some size that's one thing that hindered him going against some of the offensive tackles that we'd watch through some of the drills and practices if he can put on a little bit of size kind of what the the, the transition that peyton had to make putting on the size it helped a ton with his rush and being able to battle some of these bigger guys so uh, i think maybe you know byron just has that natural gift but It's just not going to work, though, if you're undersized. So I'm interested to see what Coach Storms has been able to do with him since the season ended. And that bowl game against Oklahoma, the transition, seeing what he looks like, that's why I'm excited for tomorrow morning to see what some of these guys have put on because we got to see that this time last year. So this D end room, and like you said, Dustin Gilbert Edmund, it's going to be interesting for DE too because I don't think McLendon like it was maybe last year kind of locked down that position group. I I don't think that's the case this spring camp. I the really door
1: don't. the door seems like it's it should open be. It for shouldn't sure. be.
3: It shouldn't be open for anybody. That's not how Norvell runs this stuff, but <laughs> competition everywhere. We know what verse is, but there should be a battle here. And I think that's
1: how Norvell is going to have it be. And I also don't think it can be understated to have all of this experience at the top. You're returning a guy like Jared verse, who's a top five, top three defensive end in the country at the very worst entering the 2023 season. And then you've got some young guys with a lot of potential. Like Lamont Green Jr. and you mentioned Jaden Jones. Not sure if he's going to be full go in the spring while coming back from that knee injury. You've got Aaron we- Aaron Hester as well, who's a little bit of a tweener at this stage. But I think having those guys at the top and having them set an example for these younger guys coming into the program, especially someone like Lamont Green Jr., who you know has bled for a bled uh, Garnet and Gold for so long and was committed to Florida State very early in the recruiting process. To have those guys set a very early example and their careers could be really helpful moving forward. Let's jump
3: to the second level, guys. We're going to go to linebackers here, which Florida State's going to be returning four of their starters from last season. Tatum Bethune, DJ Lundy, you got Kalen DeLoach, Brendan Gant. who that's your guy, D. Lou, Omar Graham Jr., who is my young guy, who I think is going to play, gets, get some playing time this upcoming year. And I'm noted on here also, Blake Nicholson, I also know there's some other newcomers, some younger guys, but those guys specifically, I noted down in this spring camp that are going to play a role. It's just great to have four returning starters. I mean, whenever we've talked about this linebacker group, it's kind of been the same way on the offensive side with tight ends, just like, "Mm, got to find a lot of answers going into it. This feels like this is a a sealed group. And I really like, I, I like the first year under Randy Shannon. And I think just another year, Getting getting their position coach will be huge, but you know, having Tatum Bethune specifically back for another year, hello. That that sounds great to any Florida State fan.
1: Extremely deep. And we've seen the improvement that this group has made ever since 2021 when Randy Shannon, he wasn't a linebacker's coach, but he was still here as a senior defensive analyst. And the linebackers started to make a little bit of strides there. And then we saw the the more consistent improvements this past season with him taking over that full-time role. Um obviously Tatum Bethune working with Randy Shannon before, I think that helped him with his impact that he was able to make instantly coming into Florida State. But then Kalen DeLoach and DJ Lundy and the improvements that Brendan Gant made after you know being here at Florida State forever, I, I think that's just a testament to the coaching they got from Shannon last year. And that's going to pay off now for Florida State, bringing back your top four members of the rotation. Like you said, a very promising true for uh, redshirt freshman and Omar Graham Jr., which I think the step for him is can he push a guy like Brendan Gantt, maybe even DJ Lundy, Can he push for that role in the as as the third or fourth man in the rotation? We're gonna see, but he's got a ton of potential. And you didn't even mention Steven Dix Jr. You know, this is really the the calling card for him. He's coming back off of that injury, missed the entire 2022 season, and now you know he's getting passed up in that rotation. Potentially, you got four very experienced guys coming back. You've got Omar Graham Jr. Um, you've also got true freshman DeMarco Ward, who is early enrolled at, at Florida State for the spring. So it's going to be really interesting because Randy Shannon, he knows what he has at the top of that unit, but what's he going to get out of the back end?
2: To me, the biggest thing I want to see out of this group in spring is they got to be able to finish plays. I thought a lot of times they were in the right position to make the play. This past season, didn't always finish it off with a tackle or the stop that they needed to. That's the biggest thing to me. Just continue to find find ways to finish plays, and you know the the more they know about the system, the the smarter they are in their communications. Um, it's going to go a long way. But end of the day, they got to finish finish the plays with some tackles. Almost every linebacker in this group was either average or below average um, in tackling grade on PFF. That, that's got to change for Florida State to take that next step as a defense next year.
1: I think another thing, just defending mobile quarterbacks, because we yeah, saw a true. couple times Jaden Daniels. Um, Malik Cunningham in in the bowl game against Dylan Gabriel there are some times where quarterbacks were able to get loose against this defense and it all starts with you know the linebackers that are typically set there to spy on the on the quarterback getting caught out of position or taking a bad angle on a play and that's going to be very important for Florida State next year I mean you start off right up against LSU um, Jaden Daniels had over 100 yards rushing. Against the Seminoles. So that's going to be something important to limit because, I mean, they really struggled. If you think back to that game in New Orleans, they were struggling to throw the ball for them ma- for the majority of that game. And then Jaden Daniels was just making plays with his legs off the script, and that really hurt FSU. Jump into the secondary here,
3: which filled with more competitive battles. And you got returners coming in along with a big, high-studded transfer with Ventral Cypress. Let's go to to cornerback, Renardo Green. Dustin, this time last year at the tour duty, we looked at each other like, oh, Renardo Green, fully healthy, is just a scary specimen. And he ends up earning that CB1 spot throughout the season but you're adding in Ventrell Cypress who you're maybe expecting to have on the other side of him. You've got Azray Thomas, a young young player that got and earned a lot of playing time this last season. What kind of stands out to you guys in this room maybe other names but specifically out of these three
1: um what stands out to y'all going into this spring camp on Monday more Monday afternoon? I would just say once again the depth, you know, because you mentioned those three guys but then you've also got Jarian Jones, Kevin Knowles, Greedy Vance, who all were very strong contributors for Florida State in that rotation. Obviously, Amarion Cooper being moved over to safety to to begin the spring. But FSU was bringing back five guys in that cornerback room who played very big roles, and then also adding the the top, maybe the top transfer on the market as far as cornerbacks and, and fentral Cypress, who you think should instantly come in and be able to lock down one side of the field. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, like you said, you would think that Bernardo Green and Ventrell worked themselves out to eventually be starters um, following spring ball, but that that might not be the case. They're they're going to be pushed. I mean, we had Cam McDonald on here talking about how he thinks Thomas is going to be a breakout player for Florida State moving forward. Um, Greedy Vance's propensity to get in the right position to force turnovers led the team in interceptions a year ago. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways that this thing can go. Florida State they're obviously going to have that nickel cornerback involved as well that'll that'll probably be a battle between Kevin Knowles and Greedy Vance you would think but there's a lot of different combinations a, a lot of ways that this thing could go and you're gonna have some true freshmen coming in who are really competitive that want to get into the mix as well that that might not be here yet
2: yeah you kind of took my point about the slot corners that's what I was gonna bring that up the battle between Kevin Knowles and Greedy Vance I think it's gonna be huge because all of us were really high on Kevin Knowles heading into the season and you know he dealt with some injuries he was a little banged up but Greedy Vance really picked up and started taking his his shine uh, down the stretch. I, I'm super curious to see that how that works out in spring. And the other thing is, th- this group has to find a way to force turnovers. We we talk, you just yep. talked about Greedy Vance's three interceptions, but outside of that, no defensive back had more than one interception on this team. And again, for Florida State to take that next level as a defense, which we all think they can, they all have the talent. They got to find a way to force turnovers and get off the field. With, find another ways to get off the field besides just a punt.
1: That's a good point to note, especially since that was a topic that uh, new defensive backs coach Patrick Sertan instantly brought up during his introductory press conference a couple of weeks ago, just talking about how Florida State's defensive backfield, like you said, also needs to get back to forcing turnovers, talking about getting the defensive backs heads around when the ball is in the air, you know, basic stuff that maybe was missing over the last couple of years, but that a guy with his NFL pedigree and time as a high school coach, where you have to think about it, at the high school level, I mean, you've got to be really technical and fundamental with some of these kids. It's probably a lot – it's a lot harder to teach 15-, 16-, 17-year-olds than maybe some of these 18-, 19-, 20-year-olds. So, I mean, he's done it from – the ground floor and I think he's going to be able to bring some great things to Florida State we'll, we'll see how it works out in 2023 as far as getting back to forcing more turnovers
2: and as good as central Cypress is he's not coming in as a guy that's known for interceptions he has just one career pick in three seasons so it's it's top down with this group but they have the potential to do it they just have to do it
3: yep and going to greedy Vance this time last year going into spring camp also he was a guy that we had a lot of question marks after spring camp saying well You know, picked on a couple of times early on, picked on quite a bit. Quarterbacks were going to the wide receiver that he was covering, and took a little while for him to get in the groove. And then, out of nowhere, really, when we got the fall camp, you're like, Oh, okay, greedy Vance now getting more opportunities. Adam Fuller getting him on the field more in practices. Then we see it in the games, and we're like, Oh, he puts himself in the right positions. Kind of a film, a guy, kind of a nerd there, it feels like. So we're going to see some things there's gonna be some guys that might not impress us early on that might you know be a slower mover going through these camps but i thought it was just worth noting because greedy vance being your leading guy um and interceptions this last year had a slow spring camp so um well, well there'll be a lot to observe here but i, I think jerry and jones is someone not to sleep on either um i i know people might go crazy on that i think i wish people would maybe get over that i think he kind of proved some people wrong as he as he said after that florida game and I, I do like his mentality um but he impresses us a lot in these practices and yes there are some inconsistencies in play style maybe on the field but he had a way better year than he did the previous so there's improvement there and so that's why i'm not overlooking jerry and jones when we're going into this camp at all i'm not
2: I, th- yeah, I think everyone just looks back his first season on campus. Where exactly. Just, there's always a DB. Yeah, there's he's, always was a DB. He just toast every single play yeah. his, his first year on campus. And last year was quietly really solid. There's been rising improvement there. That's that's him. what
1: I think. People are judging him based off what happened in 2020 and 2021 based off than, than this last year. Where if, I mean, if you look at the numbers, he was one of the best defensive backs on, on the entire team. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: let's jump over to safety. Real quick to finish off our defensive preview, this one is a fun one to me, and I I think I'm going to keep a close eye on it because you've got Akeem Dent returning. He was a guy the last year where he was kind of I think in his brain his mentality was like yeah I'm gonna put in a good year and then move on but that doesn't end up happening because he's dealing with injuries but then that allows a guy like Shaheen Brown to come in and come alongside too with Jamie we had Jamie on a couple weeks ago and he's no longer with us he's out there in Indianapolis right now getting ready to compete in the NFL combine best of luck to him but now Shaheen Brown jumps into a spot here where we were all expecting him to be fighting for a starting spot because of the amount of playing time he got last year and the plays. And now Amarion Cooper moving from cornerback back over to the safety that will be something that we'll be keeping a close eye on Monday. And then one that I'm going to have a bold prediction on, but is Travis J. And wondering what what is FSU going to do here? You keep him at the cornerback position? It feels like he's flip flopped left and freaking right, but it's expecting kind of to be in this safety position. We'll see what Adam Fuller and new defensive backs coach Patrick Sertan end up doing with him. But Travis J, just real quick, just of things I've been hearing and also seeing and the leadership and also helping recruit new transfers coming in and a lot of those guys saying Travis J is the one that's the most involved with me in this transition over to the college side or just transitioning to get into Tallahassee. And then also seeing him in practices and him continuing to compete, him not being able to play this last year, and him just staying fully invested and him also not deciding to transfer. I'm not overlooking Travis J. this camp. I'll be honest with you guys. Something something just feels up to me, and it would be a phenomenal storyline for him to come in and compete for a starting job and have that chance, which I think they will give him that just because of his, his stature of talent Um, Coming from Madison County, high-touted recruit. I just think things just off of non-focus and mentality-wise is kind of what steered him away from having an earlier success in his career at Florida State. I'm not counting out Travis J the spring camp, guys, and I hope everything goes well for him health-wise, but it's an interesting interesting group to follow because I don't think everything's so solidified as we may think in this room.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't think you can count out Travis Jay. It said a lot that, you know, despite him not playing last year, he he stuck around and eventually was able to dress out for that bowl game down in down in Orlando for Fortis 8's win um against Oklahoma. And I do agree. I think his best spot right now, when you look at the depth that you have at cornerback, it's gotta be back at safety where he began his career. But when I look at this position group, you know, if there's one if there's one area of the weakness or if there's one area of the defense where I see a weakness, I think it's right here at safety, just because is Akeem Dent going to be able to get through um, an entire season fully healthy, playing at a high level? Is Shaheem Brown, which he's a guy I think is going to take that next step, but is he really going to be able to do it over a 13, 14-game season, playing a starting role? Can Amarion Cooper bounce back? Can Travis Jay get back involved? We're going to see what happens here, and you got to remember you've got the true fresh. He's not going to be here in the spring, but – Conrad Hussey coming in in the summer, one of the top safety recruit, recruits in that 2023 class. I mean, feasibly, when you look at true freshmen coming into Florida State to make an impact this upcoming season, I mean, that's a guy right there that could have a chance with some of these current question marks at safety. But we're going to start to get a couple answers this spring. I, I do think that Shaheen Brown is that guy, and he's going to start to prove it next week. But I think it's going to be important for Akeem Dent, a guy who's been here so long, a veteran who's played under Willie Taggart and, and Mike Norvell to take that leadership role um, and also to stay fully healthy.
2: It's going to be interesting to see how the defensive play calling is different without Jamie Robinson back there. And I'm curious to see how Adam Floor adjusted that this spring because we talked about when we did our positional rankings a few weeks ago just how much Jamie Robinson saved this defense. And you don't really have a tackling machine like that back there unless you think Shaheen Brown can be that. Um uh, as far as Travis J, he's one of those guys. I'm kind of out until he proves me otherwise. You know, we, we can do all the talking. You can you can see the athleticism, but until he actually shows it on the field, it, it's one of those guys. I gotta see it with him. I, I like the move of Duke Cooper going back there. I think it's going to be a good reset for him to 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 realize his full potential. But it's a thin group. You know, one one or two guys goes down, and you're looking like, oh man, how how are we mm-hmm. going to fix this?
3: Very thin. I don't like it this thin.
1: I think this is one where, you know, Florida State, they're over the scholarship limit right now. They're over that 85-man scholarship limit. They're going to have to shed a couple of guys eventually. But if there's any position that you're still looking at on the roster right now that might need a transfer, it could be right here in the safety room. And I think that's what Florida State is going to use this spring for to kind of evaluate, see if they need to dip back into the portal, which I'm not completely sure who's available at the moment, but that'll (laughs) open back up you know, at the end of the spring or around then got another 15 day spring window coming for guys to declare their intentions to transfer what whatnot. So depending on how things go over the next couple of weeks, we might see Florida state go back in and go, go back portal hunting last yeah, year. So
2: go ahead. I, must, I must say a lot of people seem surprised that they didn't take a safety the first time around. There just, there wasn't a lot of good safeties in the portal. It seemed like not yeah. anyone that you wanted to invest a scholarship into. And, you know, at this point I trust Norvell on, on that. He's, he's, he's thinking if the, the guys we on the roster are better than than the ones in the portal, for him to say that, that kind of means something.
3: If I had to name real quick, wrapping up this defensive preview, a couple names that I'd keep an eye out for a potential breakout scenario. I'd go Omar Graham Jr. at the linebacker position. I'm high on him. been told one of the smartest players on this team and physically you get what you want, but to add that with the guy that likes watching film and, uh, smart in the head. I'm going to go with Omar Graham Jr. And then I'm going to go with Daniel Lyons. It might be a little bit of a steal here. He got a lot a lot more playing time than Omar Graham did this last year. But um, Daniel, just what he showed me, just in a lot of things, but uh, just his play style. And Odell Higgins giving him a good amount of reps and some games, man. Uh, saw 95 out there quite a bit. Daniel Lyons is going to be one of mine,
1: along with Omar Graham Jr. at linebacker. Agreed with you there. The three that I had written down, I've got Omar Graham, obviously, and then I've got Shaheem Brown and Patrick Payton as well to kind of take a take an even bigger step this upcoming season going into 2023. And it, I mean, it's just going to be really interesting for to say this is a very experienced defense that uh, you've got coming back. 13 of the top 15 tacklers from a season ago back in Tallahassee. You lose your, you lose your leading tackler, and Jamie Robinson got him tripping all over my words, but you lose him, he's moving on. But regardless, I mean, still so much depth across that entire defense.
2: Yeah, I had Shaheem and then I had Azare Thomas just at his size and his athleticism. He's going to make an impact on this cornerback room at some point. Hopefully it's this spring because if, if he's playing good football this fall, you know, that cornerback room is just absolutely loaded. Um, but I'm really looking forward to what he can do.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I wish I could add Shaheen Brown. I guess I can. I guess there's no rules here. But I'm. Y'all kind of already know. <laughs> at least our listeners know, and Jamie Robinson knows. He gave us some good intel on him. But to hear also leadership impact, and he's a very outgoing player. As young as he was, being so chatty with some of these veterans, I was like, damn. Okay, Shaheem, I, I. I love. I'm. A, I'm buying everything into the Shaheen Brown. Uh, Stock, everything. I'm putting all my money. I'm going to put this house on. it. I don't know what I can, but Shaheen Brown is someone that a lot of Florida State fans going into this 2023 camp and specifically the season going to see a lot, a lot of Shaheen Brown and plays being made. Uh, let's jump into a basketball rundown. You're going to go from two minutes, Austin, that you had this last time and practically what we've had the entire basketball season to maybe five minutes because Florida State was able to pull off a thriller with a Matthew Cleveland three in Miami. I think it's even better that it was in Miami. I understand yeah. FSU, I'll be honest with you, there wouldn't have been a lot of FSU fans in attendance at the tuck four. So it's better that it happened in Miami if we're being honest, but that was awesome. It was, it was great to see. And then they lose to North Carolina. Dustin and I were in attendance for that, but um, yeah, the Miami, we'll just talk Miami. Here. We'll talk about the Miami one.
2: The the Miami game was absolutely bonkers. I mean, Florida State's getting smacked. Just they're, they're not making any shots. I think they're shooting. I think it was like 33% going into halftime. Just something abysmal. They're only scoring 0. .7 points per possession. They're down 25. They're like, oh, God, here it comes. They're going to lose by 50 to what is a really good Miami team. You know, This is a Miami team that's arguably the best in the ACC talent-wise, even if they don't always put it together. I I don't know what changed at halftime. I don't know what basket magic was going on. But you come out of halftime, first media timeout the leads down to 16. Second media timeout leads down to 10. Third media timeout the leads down to two. And you're like, whoa, what is going on here? Florida State offensively in the second half of the Miami game just couldn't miss. They simply couldn't miss. They were 21 of 31 from the floor, 19 of 25 on twos, which is 76%. And they're scoring more than 1.5 points per possession. It's just an absolutely elite offensive half. And everyone's sitting there going, where has this been all year? And it was just, it was just it's not as much as where has it been? It's how does that even happen for a team to be that hot in a second half, not even from three. They were really were weren't that great from three. The comeback was just getting in the paint, taking care of the basketball. They only had one turnover the entire second half. The last, you know, minute and a minute and a half was chaotic from the the Caleb Mills insane floater high off the backboard to Miami comes down, hits a three. They get another basket. Then they, they get the wide open three in the corner with five seconds left, and you're like, "Florida State wasted this comeback for nothing." Then Matthew Cleveland, shades of Virginia, just gets the ball crossing half court, fires it up, nothing but net.
1: I got to pull, I got to pull a Cam McDonald here, and I'm going to take the credit for this one, guys. You, you got to hear this story. Oh boy. Okay, so we're we're driving to the car. We're we're driving up to the Under Armour Atlanta event to go there. And he said Atlanta. Him. Y'all hear that? It it's called Under Armour there Atlanta, but it was held yeah. at Carrollton. So, it's Atlanta. so we're driving yeah, it's up Atlanta. to the Under Armour Atlanta event that is held in Carrollton, Georgia. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure everybody needs <laughs> that. <laughs> during during that, um, we happened to check the score of the basketball game and see that Florida State's coming back and then eventually see the buzzer beater. I, so I was checking my time hop that morning, which if you guys don't know, it just shows flashbacks of stuff that you've posted over the years. One year ago that day, I had been driving – or I had been in at the Under Armour Atlanta the previous year, and I was sitting there watching the game on like the day before the event because I went up early and Matthew Cleveland hit that buzzer beater um, against Virginia. So both buzzer beaters, I was somehow involved in that event. So I'm, ba- I'm basically just saying if you want to see an epic to State victory, you're going to need to keep sending me to that every year.
2: Listen, man, I, I may have to fund it. Um, it, it was hey, such feel free, it,
3: feel free, it, be easy.
2: It was such an improbable game. Just you, you let Miami get the widest of wide open threes with five seconds left on a or on a baseline out of bounds. How does that even happen? First of all, mm-hmm. and then the recognition to you know get down the court, no timeouts,
1: and to get the ball from Jalen Worley, He was like, "Give me it."
2: Yeah, well, well, I'm talking about, like, the whole play in general. Like, Worley did what he needed to do. He didn't pass it before he needed to. Because if Matthew Cleveland gets the ball as soon as he inbounds it, he maybe doesn't get a shot off. But you pass it to him across half court, he takes one dribble and fires. It's not as much time for a defense to respond. And I I don't know what it is. He just – he has a knack for it at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I I was simply astounded. I was was was, – Losing my mind that he made that shot as bad as this season's been, as good as Miami has been, they still can't sweep us.
1: (laughs) Nope. What was that stat? Teams are like 1,042 and one.
2: No, it was 1, 2, 3, 4 and 0. They were 1,234 and 0 when leading by 25 points, and now they're 1,234
3: and (laughs) 1. Florida State,
2: I just it, it makes no sense. And they almost did it again in the UNC game, they were close. I mean, they were down, what was it, 18 points, I believe? Yeah. And then, you know, Jalen Worley's at the at the foul line with, what was it, 240 left? Down five, make, makes the first, misses the second. It's a four-point game. If he had made both those free throws and it's a one-possession game, I think that game ends a lot differently. But instead, misses the second one, UNC comes back. Was that the one where they hit a three?
1: Or when or they got a... got a huge dunk. Yeah, it was, it, was, was... it was either
2: that or then Linky Black got a dunk. Just a just a thunderous slam, and that, that killed all momentum there. But they almost did it again. Everyone's like, "Come on, they they can't do this again, can they?"
3: It was a it was a wild weekend overall for college basketball.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. That game you had. What was it? Arizona State hit a half court shot against Arizona. Um, there was like yeah. four buzzer beaters on the same day.
3: It was crazy. It was wild.
2: And now we've got one more weekend, and then we're into conference tournament play in what is going to be a game no one cares about. Florida State and Virginia Tech are playing for the 11th seed <laughs> this weekend. Winner gets the 11, loser gets the 12th seed. Nice. Um,
1: What's the difference in opponents?
2: Um, The 12th seed will play Georgia Tech, who is on a three-game winning streak, if you can believe it. Uh, the winner will play either Louisville or Notre Dame, who are both god-awful. So,
1: so you want to win?
2: You do want to win. I guess it depends how you want next week to go. If you want to just be one and done next week, then yeah. <laughs> let's let's play Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech's, I guess, finding a way to play decent basketball. However, if you want a chance at a run, you definitely want to be at Virginia Tech this, this weekend. Play either Louisville or Notre Dame, who you, both teams you've beaten twice already. Yeah. Then from there you can figure out you know
1: if the stars align. Yeah, can, can, 1320 can, 20 auto bid NCAA tournament.
2: Man, I was I was talking about it in the Discord one day one day I want to see a team go 500 and win the national championship, like a team like Florida State that just is terrible all year and then they make a run through the ACC tournament and NCW tournament. I think that'd be hilarious, but it's never going to happen
3: i don't i i don't want to harp on anybody but after being in attendance and watching Caleb Mills, I don't think that's going to happen yeah. but um i'm just saying right, i thought, mean i was it was it was it was tough 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 to watch to watch but uh yeah best of luck to him And that's going to end it off. We're going to get ready for football here in just a little while now. Going to be getting up at 4.30. Florida State's going to start or end off their tour of duty. We're going to be hearing from Coach Storms, Florida State strength and conditioning coach tomorrow, and also Mike Norvell. We'll have photos, videos. We'll see. We'll give you all as much as we possibly can. I trust you as long as it's all up to the rules. See if I get up or if you get up.
1: Oh, I'll be there.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm going to be there early, early. I'm going to try to get a lot of the guys walking in. So
1: That's uh, I'm probably going
3: to be looking like a freak. Like I'm going to have my flash on and Mike Norvell is going to be like, I can't see anything or whatever, but he's still going to say good morning. And sure enough, it will be good morning. We will not see daylight whenever that thing starts beginning. So uh, we'll, we'll have that. And then on Friday we'll, we'll have a media luncheon. And that also includes a press conference with Mike Norvell Answering questions and giving his thoughts about four state spring camp, and we'll also be hearing from all of the assistants. So, me, Dustin, and also our new addition that I need to mention, also Tommy Meyer, previously an editor and writer for SB Nation's Tomahawk Nation. He is officially with NOLGameday.com and us. Super excited to have him on board with us. We have a great relationship, good friendship, and it just so happens that he's going to be able to join us to help enhance our coverage going into what should be a wild 2023 season. So uh, excited. Congratulations to Tommy Meyer joining the NOL Game Day family. So we've got a tons of coverage coming in the next, like, five days that is going to be ridiculous we'll also do an instant reaction to spring camp so that will kind of be our podcast of the week so look out for that on monday evening ish for to come out for you guys that listen on the audio side of things so make sure i know a lot of y'all watch here i know a lot of y'all are watching on the live streams but so make sure y'all go to itunes google play spotify and search here the spear and that's where that's where we'll be uploading a lot of like instant reaction things going into this 2023 season. There's a lot to talk about. So make sure you guys do that. Anything else really worth hitting on? It feels like there's so many things going
1: on and it's about to get started really quick. Yeah. I would just say we're probably going to be still probably have to hop on here next Wednesday. So depending on what happens.
3: Yeah. We'll see in the next Tuesday we have a date for calculated chaos with Brian Stork going through a 2013 rewind of the Clemson game with special guests and former teammates so it's going to be a busy week for you buddy yeah i'm going to i am going to need anybody i can't say that publicly on here but i got you uh, yeah if, any, if anybody can help me find ways to relax i will certainly take no, you, you need that
2: you need the opposite you needed the mike norvell effect where you're just he doesn't even take anything that's, that's, a, be, that's, BS. BS. Just, that's like
1: that's like me telling like if i have kids hell, me, yeah that's like me just, saying santa claus is real that's a you lie just, you
2: just gotta find the magic you i can't even i takes. can't
1: even function without anything and i'm like half mike norvell's age so <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely taking something
3: there's definitely something in that bottle, hundred and ten percent. I'm gonna. That's gonna be my main goal this year. Go take start. a sip of that bottle. Yeah, can I get a swig of that and be like, "Oh my god, what is this?" <laughs> yeah. So jam packed next week overall. So appreciate everybody listening. As always, you can. Which one of you cover the cheerleader tryouts? Well if F- FSI ever wants us to branch out and that outside of what we maybe could start doing as baseball and other sports cheerleader could be added in there. So just let, let us know uh, to our SI people if coverage needs to begin. I will surely, maybe that'll keep me from leaving Tallahassee and moving who knows, but yeah, appreciate everybody listening as always. You can listen on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button if you're on YouTube right now or Facebook. We would definitely appreciate it. Always appreciate y'all listening in. Busy week ahead. So looking forward to it. We got some football, baby. I'm excited. See you guys.